So we are, uh, as I said, wrapping up this, uh, this series titled The Red Letter Challenge. And again, we started this six weeks ago. This is week six. And if you've, if you've missed any of the messages or want to go back and hear them, they're all available online uh, through video and podcast. And so you can find those uh, and get caught up or you can go back and, and, and see them. But through this series, right, there's, there's, there's two parts really even to this Red Letter Challenge. The first part is the Red Letters. And just as we sang this morning and as we've, we've seen within our Bibles, in about, about the turn of the ni- ni- about 1900, this, a publisher had this idea. Their goal was to say, how can we show that all of Scripture is centered on Jesus? And like, how can we highlight what Jesus says and what Jesus teaches? And so they came up with this idea. They're like, hey, what if we printed all of Jesus' words in red? and the rest of the Bible in black. And so they, they did that again and saw that. Now it's a trend that has caught on and for many publishers. And, and in fact, many Bibles are red letter edition Bibles, meaning that every time Jesus speaks, right, that those words are printed in red and where the rest of the text is in black. Now, if your Bible is not a red letter Bible, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't mean that that anything's changed or different. It's the same teachings, the same concepts, the same stories, but it, it's just a little hard to see how central Christ and his words are to scripture. But again, that's the first part of the series is that we are focusing on the red letters, right? On what Jesus says and what he teaches and what he challenges us to do. And on week one, when we started this, was that was the challenge of week one, was to say, I am not gonna be just okay with being okay in my faith, that I am gonna go all in that I'm going to go all in in the teachings of Jesus and studying his words and all in in, in doing what Jesus tells us to do, right? That I'm going to follow through, right? And I'm going to go all in with my faith. And, and we saw as well that all of Jesus' teachings, all of his, his um, challenges, all of his parables and his stories and interactions can all be kind of categorized into five different targets that we are to shoot at with our life. Right? And, and these, we've, so we've been working our way through these different targets and these different areas of our life that Jesus speaks to in many different places throughout the Gospels and through all of Scripture. And so we started then, the, the first target is the target of being with Christ, of being a child of God. Okay, it starts with us accepting him as our Savior, being forgiven of our sins, inviting him into our life, right? receiving our salvation from him as the free gift that he offers. Okay, and, which, and when we do that, right, our identity changes from God's creation to God's child. And then we then start to be God's child, to be with Christ, to be his follower. Okay, and, and it all starts there, right, with us being, and where our being then comes, over, overtakes our life, and, and, and we're, we're diving into our faith and moving forward in our journey with Christ, where we are more like him tomorrow than we are today. And we continue on that process of being a child of God. And, and from there, then, we starts to, to uh, affect and permeate the other areas of our life, and, and then we move into these other targets. And so we start with being, as that overflows in our life, we move into the next one, which is forgiving. Okay, and, and week three, we looked at forgiving, not just receiving forgiveness from God for our salvation, right? But also then forgiving ourselves about the things in our life, as well as then passing that forgiveness on to other people. Okay? And we saw, again, the big idea of that week was seeing that, that forgiveness is truly the linchpin of our faith, right? That forgiveness, if we can truly embrace it for ourselves and for others, that, can, that will move our faith forward more than, than most any other things, 
and how forgiveness becomes very, very important as we continue to move and fulfill everything that God has called us to be as his child. And then we move into the next week, we looked at the next target and the target of serving. Right? And this is where our being and our forgiving overflows so much in our life to where it starts to, to affect the things that we do with our time okay? and the way that we serve God in many different ways. And then we moved last week, we moved on to the, to the fourth target, and that is the target of giving and living a life of generosity. Okay? We looked at the foundation of generosity in the Bible is tithing right? and giving, which is about our money, but it's not about our money at all. It's really about our hearts. Right? and about what we truly worship with our lives. And, and then how, as we saw this week how we build on that foundation of tithing into a lifestyle of, of generosity in every area of our life, not just our money, but also our time and our talents and our abilities and, and, and everything that we have as we recognize that God's our provider, it's all his, and yet we then live a life of generosity in every area of our life. And now we are then going to wrap this up this morning to the last target. Okay, and the last target that we see that Jesus tells us to do is that we are sent, that we are to go. And that's the last attribute is going as a follower of Jesus, as his child. Where do we need to go? What do we need to do? What, again, is the mission of our life as a follower of Jesus? And as we dive into this concept and say, so what am I supposed to do now that now that I, I'm being with God, I've, I've received forgiveness, I've given forgiveness, I'm serving him, I'm, I'm living a life of generosity. Now, what do I do with all of that? Right? What is the true mission of my life? Yeah, I want to start today with not, uh, again, with learning from Jesus and from his words. And again, Jesus tells us the mission that he was sent on as Messiah when, when God sent him to the earth, right? And, and again, he, he was sent on a mission. And, and we see this, as Jesus tells us, in the first words of Jesus of his public ministry. Okay, now Jesus, again, he, he grew up, right? He, he, was, uh, he was in his 30s, early 30s, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, was ushers, ushered in the final season of Jesus' life and mission. Okay, as Messiah. And, and after he was baptized, these are the first words of Jesus in Mark 1, 15, Okay, after he's been baptized, he comes out and he gives us the mission that he's now fulfilling in his public ministry. He says, the time that promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Again, these are the words of Jesus as he's coming, as he's been baptized, he's been anointed for this, this public ministry of his life. And, and he comes and says, hey, the, the time that's been promised by God has come at last. What is the time? It's the promised Messiah, right? From the very first words of scripture, okay, is that um, God has been working to, to redeem us from our sin, right? And his plan to save the world. And, and again, that plan was through a, a, a chosen and divinely sent Messiah. That was God's plan from the very beginning. And now Jesus as that Messiah comes out after he says he's anointed for his public ministry and says the time is finally here. Right? And even just as we see, right, the intentions of even the red letters was, was to show how even all of the Old Testament looks forward to the Messiah and all these prophecies about him being sent. And he comes out and declares that time has come. These scriptures are being fulfilled. Right? And then he moves on and he says, why? Now why? What's the, the effect, right, of this promise being fulfilled? Is that now that the kingdom of God is near. Again, the kingdom of God is being ushered in, right? Meaning you know, what God's kingdom, God's, God's plan, God's will for us is to be an unhindered presence with him, 
Right? That's where we were in the garden, where we started in creation, and then our sin got in the way. Right? And now, again, the rest of Scripture is about God solving that problem, right? For his kingdom to be ushered into our lives, that we can be in relationship with him. Okay, he says the kingdom of God is near. It is coming. We are, we are closer to it now than we've ever been because, again, the promise is being fulfilled. And now what is the message, right, of God's kingdom? It is to repent of your sins and to believe the good news. Again, what is the good news? It is the gospel message, right? It is, it's the mission of Jesus' life, right? To save the world, to redeem us from our sin, to, to restore us to that relationship, right? The good, what is the good news? The good news is that God has saved us and that he will transform our minds and our hearts, right, into what we were created to be, which is, leads us all the way back to being with Jesus, Right, as we see, again, the, this mission of Jesus' life and, and again, the, what he was sent here to do. Okay, first off, as we see, again, the, um, everything that, that, he, that Jesus was sent and then he teaches us to, to hit all these targets and to move forward, we realize that, again, we cannot truly be with Jesus and stay put in our faith. We have to be growing. We have to be moving because just like Jesus was sent, we, as followers of Jesus, have also been sent. We need to go. We need to move forward from where we are. Because the truth is God loves you exactly where you are, but he loves you so much he won't leave you the same. And that's what our faith journey is all about, right? Is being transformed by his spirit and moving forward and being more like him tomorrow than we are today. We have to go. We have to be moved forward, right? That's into the life of what God wants you to have. Right? And, and the more we live into all these targets, the more that we are spurred by God to fulfill the mission he's given us and to go and to be sent. In fact, when we look at, at the, the, um, the interaction that Jesus has, right after this, he goes and Jesus starts calling his disciples. Right? And there's a, a, the core group of his disciples were professional fishermen. And he goes to them and says, hey, I'm going to give you a new mission of your life. Right? He says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Right? You no longer will fish for fish, but you will fish for souls, for changing lives. Right? He's saying, I'm going to send you as a follower of me. I'm going to send you on a new mission. Right? I will send you. And that was what the life of the disciples became. Again, Jesus comes into their life right, with his mission, and he grows his disciples to fulfill their mission. And even when he was with them, he, he would teach them. Right? He would give them a concept, teach them something new, and then he would send them out to share that message. And then after they shared it, they would come back to Jesus, and they, they would learn more about it. They would, he'd process it with them and say, what went good? What, what went bad? What, you know, what, what, what stumbling blocks did you come upon? How can we do it better next time? And he would teach them. He would fulfill them again, heal them from the wounds they got, right? and, and encourage them, and then he would send them out again. Right? And this was the rhythm that he took his disciples through. And it's the same rhythm he takes us through as his disciples today, that we learn from him. And then he sends us out and we go and we teach and we tell and we proclaim, right? And then we, we come back to Jesus, right? And we need encouragement and we need healing and, and we need you know, refreshment and then so that we can be sent out again. And in fact, that's what church is supposed to be. 
right, is for us to come together as believers, right, and, and to be refreshed by his spirit and to, to, to learn more about who he is and, and to come back so that we can be sent back out for the next week and fulfill the mission that he sent us on. Right, and this was the rhythm that he took with his disciples. It's the rhythm of a disciple today. And so as we go, again, we say, but what do we find? How do we fulfill this mission that God has given us? Okay, today I want to, um, we're going to look at this story found in John chapter 9. Okay, so if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to, to turn with me to John chapter 9. Okay, we are going to look at this entire story, okay, this entire chapter this morning. And so if you have your Bible, again, open up to chapter, John chapter 9, and you can just leave it open, okay, because we're going we're to pause a couple places. We're going to come back to it many times. Okay, if you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. Okay, you'll notice on the outline is the page numbers where you can find this passage in those Bibles. Okay, we're going to um, look up John chapter 9, and we're going to jump into this story about this man who was born blind and this interaction he has with him and with his disciples. So we're going to start John chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Okay, where it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no work can be done. But while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. Okay, we're going to stop right there, those first five verses, okay, and to see that, um, again, we have this, this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples as they're, as they're talking about this man, this beggar that was on the side of the road or wherever he was, okay, and, and, and they say, they ask Jesus this question. Okay, they see him, they knew, again, obviously his reputation had preceded him. Okay, they kind of knew his backstory, Okay, that this man was not blind because of an accident or because of a disease, right? That he was born blind. Okay, now it was the common belief in their world and their culture, right? That these, these physical ailments or these different struggles in their life was a direct result of sin. Okay, now I will say that I think believe that we saw that belief today and I think we still see that concept, right? That why do we live in a world that's full of disease, it's full of evil. It's, full of, it's because of sin. I mean, that's why we have these disease and evil in our life. Okay, now they present this question to Jesus about this man and say, hey, why was he born blind? Was he born because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? Okay, they, they present Jesus with this question, and they, they feel like there's only two possible answers. Right, how many times do we do that? We come to God with a question, and we've already kind of predetermined the answers. Right, it's a, Jesus, I'm not really, I just, I just need to know which one it is. Right, and yet Jesus looks back at them, right, and, and he says, it's none of the above. Right, and you can imagine his disciples sitting there to be like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense, Jesus. Right, and we see again this interaction that happens in verses three and four. Okay, where Jesus, again, um, answers their question, not how they expected it at all. Okay, and he says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sin. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Now again, I'm sure the disciples, just like us, were sitting there, were like, what does that mean, Jesus? You're not making any sense. Right, we came to you with this question, and yet you didn't, you didn't give us the answer we expected. 
I don't know about you, but I've come to Jesus with questions in my life sometimes, and I didn't get the answer I expected. Hey, and these disciples didn't either. Right, and yet notice, what, what did Jesus say? He, say? he says, hey, you know what? It, it wasn't either one. It wasn't because of his sin. It wasn't because of his parents' sin. Right, it, it just, it is what it is. He was born blind. Right, his eyes didn't form right, right? I mean, he doesn't go into the details. He's like, but it just, it happened. It's not a direct result of his sin or his parents' sin. But because this happened, the power of God can be seen in him. Right, to say again, did, did God cause this man's blindness, right, as a direct, um, you know, result of his sin? Like Jesus says, no, it wasn't either one of those. But I can redeem the situation. Right? Even when we don't know the answers, even when it, when it doesn't make sense, right? even if God does not cause these struggles we have, he can redeem them. Okay, and when we look at that, I encourage you on your outline to circle the phrase, power of God. Okay, this happens, so the power of God. The power of God can redeem anything we face. Okay, and Jesus says, right, hey, it wasn't his sin or his parents' sin, right? Like, why it was caused doesn't even really matter, right? Because watch this, right? I mean, this is Jesus setting this up, right? He's like, watch what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to prove to you that the power of God can redeem any situation, even when we don't understand. Hey, he says the power of God is going to be at work here. Right? Because, and the truth is the power of God needs to be seen not just in this man's world, not just in the world in this moment in time, but in all of time, in all of the world, we need to see God's power. We need his power in our lives. Especially when we have questions that we think we know the answers to and God's like, nope, none of the above. But be ready for my power. Right, and as we see that, right, we see that answer, and then we move into Jesus, Jesus follows up this, this not answering their question right, with this statement. He says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. Notice he says we, he's including the disciples in this answer. Right, he says, guys, the, the, this world needs the power of God, and by the way, we have a job to do. Okay, we are the ones that are going to carry that power into the world. Right? We have a task to complete. Okay, and it has been assigned to us from God the Father. Again, circle the phrase, the task assigned to us. Does our world need the power of God? Absolutely. What's God's plan to release his power in our world? through the tasks he gives us to do, right? We have a mission, just like Jesus had a mission, just like the disciples there, we all have a mission to, to take God's power into this world. Okay, and he says, we must carry it out. Okay, and we see this, right? Again, Jesus is preempting this whole story and saying, not the answer you're looking for, but watch God's power work. Okay, now let's jump back into the story. Okay, we're going to pick up at verse 6. John 9, verse 6. Then he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. 
So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man that they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And so I went and washed, and now I can see. Well, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. And then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. You know, I want to pause right there and to say, as we see now, Jesus tells his disciples, watch, the power of God's about to, to, to show up, right? And then, and then you have this blind man who's sitting there, right? Who now, again, he's blind, right? He can't see. He doesn't know who's in front of him, okay? But but yet, our bodies, when we have one sense that doesn't work, our other senses get heightened, right, in order to compensate. So this man cannot see, but he can hear very well, I'm sure. Right? And he hears this conversation happening about him, in front of him, right? And then Jesus says, all right, the power of God, just watch this. And then, he, then imagine what he hears next. <sighs> Right, as Jesus hawks up this loogie, gets this spit in his mouth, right, and makes mud with it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was that blind man, I'd be sitting there being like, I don't, I've heard about Jesus, but this is gross. <laughs> right, and then the next thing that happens is he feels something cold hit his face. Because notice, he couldn't, see, he couldn't see it coming. I kind of wonder if maybe Jesus was like, hey, fire in the hole, bury yourself, right? This is coming, right? He hears this, and then all of a sudden, something hits his face. Okay, now in this moment, again, sometimes God does not work in ways that we expect. Sometimes it might even be weird or gross. And yet, following this gross experience with Jesus's muddy saliva all over this guy's face, right? Then Jesus tells him, go and wash. Okay, Jesus sends him on a mission. Okay, and, and as, as we realize this, right, again, what does the man do? Right, there's, there's a whole number of options of the way this man could react in this moment. Okay, and yet what does he do? He was obedient to what Jesus told him to do. Right? And he put action to his faith. Right? He, he knew who Jesus was. He'd heard this. Right? Now he's had this interaction with Jesus, this gross interaction with Jesus. Right? And then Jesus gives him the command. He says, go, I'm sending you to this pool with a task to wash your face. Now I can imagine he's probably like, yeah, I, I certainly need to wash my face. Right? But he was obedient. He did it. He got up. He moved. Right? He put action behind his faith. He was sent by Jesus, and he went and he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Right? Verse 11, he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud. He spread it over my eyes, and he told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed. He followed through. He was obedient. He says, I, so I went and I did it, and now I can see. 
right? I did it, I followed through, I put action, and now I can see. Right, again, as we see this, this reaction, right, again, they're like, how did you do it? What happened? He's like, I have no idea how this happened. All I did was I just did what Jesus told me to do, plain and simple, right? And now this is the result. Okay, now we see again, as he reports this, then we, we see there's, I mean, there's all kinds of reactions that happen, right? I mean, now this story is getting ramped up here, right? And we see, we're going to pick up the story again here in, uh, again, in verse uh, 15, because we left off um, after 14, right? As we know that, again, they, they take him to the Pharisees. They're like, hey, we need to explain something, right? This, is, this has got to be a spiritual issue. They're still looking at this. Okay, they take him to the Pharisees. Now, again, we see that Jesus did this on a Sabbath day, and we know that Jesus has done this a few times. Okay, picking up at verse 15. It says, then the Pharisees asked the man all about it. And so he told them, he put them over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus is not from God for he's working on the Sabbath. And others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division of opinion among them. And then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see that, um, that was blind and could now see. So they called his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, he's old enough to speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. And that's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. Okay, now I want to pause here again and look and see. Now, right, is we have all these different interactions. They're trying to figure out what happened because nobody can explain it. Okay, and so these Pharisees bring him in. They, they, they talk to this man and, and they say, what, what really happened? He told him again. He's like, I just did what Jesus told me to do. And now I can see. That's all I know. Right, and, and then they, they start into this, this interaction, this argument, and they start pushing back, and we see all these different reactions to Jesus. Okay, the first reaction, obviously, is the man. Okay, and the, the man's reaction is that he dove all in. Right, he didn't hold anything back, right? He, he put action in his faith. He did exactly what Jesus told him to do, right? And now he has this miracle in his life, right? God's power has been, has been released in this man's body and in his life and in his faith, right? He went all in. He held nothing back. He believes Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. Okay, then we have the reaction of the Pharisees, of these religious leaders of the time. Okay, they come in, right? They, and they ask him multiple times, and they don't believe him. Right, so then they call in his parents. I mean, they, they, they keep saying, they're like, that cannot be the answer. Right, something else is going on here. All right, it's not the power of God. It can't be the power of God. We have all of these reasons why we believe it's not the power of God. Right, we see their reaction right, was complete rejection no matter what. They were not willing to accept the reality of what had happened. They were not willing to look at what, what, what the results were. They had already concluded what they believe about Jesus, okay, and they were going to reject him no matter what. Okay, and then we have his parents, and they gave us a very different reaction. Right, they're kind of middle of the road. And as we already see in the te text tells us, this was a very divisive situation. Right, it was splitting people all over the place because nobody could agree. Okay, and then the parents come out with this reaction is that they have a fear of going all in. 
And so they come. They're willing to go far. They're like, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born, born blind. We know all of that. But again, we want to stay out of whatever God's doing in his life right now because we don't know the answers. We don't want any of the ramifications of claiming that Jesus' power is working. And so we're just going to take a step back. We're going to play into our own fears and we're going to keep a safe distance. And when we see these reactions towards what God is doing and towards his power being released in the world, is these are exactly the same reactions we see, not just in their culture then, but in our culture now. Right? And again, as a part of the challenge part of this series is that we go all in. Right? That, that we set our fears aside. That we set even the, the facts of whatever aside and say, it's the power of God and that's all we need to know. I'm going all in. I'm not going to let my fears hold me back. I'm not going to keep a safe distance from Jesus anymore. I'm going to go all in. Okay, and we see that's what this man does. Okay, and as he does that, okay, is then we have all these different reactions, and they continue to press him. Okay, and yet the more they press him, the more that this man turns back to the facts of his life and to his story. Okay, because the more they press him, we see, again, his reaction as it all kind of comes comes to a culmination in verse 25, okay, where the man says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but this is what I do know. I was blind, and now I can see. He's like, that's all I know. And in fact, that's all I need to know. Right? Is, is I was blind, now I can see, and Jesus did it. I don't need any other explanation. Right? I'm all in because he has changed my life, Period. But in fact, as we, as we see this, this again, interaction and say, so how does he get there? Okay, let's jump back into this story. Okay, right where we left off. We left off at verse 23. So we're going to jump in at verse 24. He says, for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked, how did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they cursed him and said, you are, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Again, here we see their pride and their arrogance. Right? How hard their hearts really were how thick the walls were in their minds and their hearts. Right? They were not willing to look at what actually happened at all. Right? They had their preconceived conclusions. They had things, again, that they didn't understand, and until they could understand everything perfectly, they were not willing to, to believe Jesus. But this is the, the, again, the, truth, of, the, the truth, the concept we need to learn here, okay, is that Jesus never invites us into a relationship where we understand him perfectly. What he invites us into is a relationship where we trust him completely. 
Are there going to be questions that you don't have answers to? Yes. Are there going to be things that happen in this world that you don't understand? Absolutely. Jesus does not invite us into a relationship where we understand everything that he does perfectly. That's not what he invites us into. He invites us into a relationship where we trust him. Right? When we don't know the answers, then Jesus just says, you know what? I understand. This doesn't make sense. Just trust me. Right? And then we can hopefully have the same reaction to this man and say, yep, I get it. My life's different. That's all I need to know. I trust you. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to go. I'm going to do the mission you've sent me on. Okay, as, as, we, as we see this, right, again, we, we understand that this man was bold for Jesus in a way that we can all hope to be. Right? He was in front of the most hostile people in their culture against the work of Jesus. And yet he stands up there and be like, well, you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? Right? Like, I mean, he just, he just blurs it out. He's like, yeah, I'll share my story if it's going to help you become a follower of Jesus too. Right? And notice their reaction was even more, you know, strong. Right? As they come again in their pride and their arrogance and, and again, their hard hearts. And they come, they, they literally, they curse him. They, they expel him. Right? They take all of the, the authority they have in their lives to get rid of this guy. And they hope of get rid of Jesus. Right? And yet, they had no argument for what happened in this guy's life. Right? Again, he's just like, hey, there's lots of questions. I have no idea what the answers are. But all I need to know is that I was blind, and now I can see. The power of God's work. My life is different. I've been changed. That's all I need to know. Hey, and because the truth is, is that no one can argue with your changed life. Right, people can poke and prod at scripture. People can poke and prod and, and about church culture. They can, you know, all these kinds of different things. But they can never argue with how God has changed your life and how his power is at work in your life and in your faith. There's no argument for that. No matter how, how hard their hearts are, no matter how thick the walls are around their mind, they cannot argue with your changed life. Again, look at, what, how did this guy react, right, to them? In verses 30 and 33, again, with his boldness, he says, why, that's very strange, Mary replied, he healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? If this man were not from God, he could not have done it, period. But again, he was just sharing his story. He was saying the power of God is happening in front of you, and you don't even want to accept it. He just shared his story. And they had no reaction for that. But as, as we see that, okay, the, the truth here is that the biggest impact that you can make for God's kingdom is by partnering with Jesus and sharing your story. Okay, because if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a, if you are a saved person, if you are a child of God, right, then that means that God's power has been released in your life. Right, which means your story and your testimony and everything you could say about God is incredibly powerful. There is no such thing as a boring testimony. Okay, because if you are saved, then God's power is being released in your life, and that is incredibly exciting. Right, again, the, this, this idea of a boring testimony is an oxymoron. It does not exist. The power of God has been released in your life, and that is never 
boring. Right? And your story has power. Right? And so, again, what do we do? We need to share that story, right? We partner with God and with his power in what he's doing in your life and to share that story. Okay, as a part of our vision, one of the things we want to do as a church is to celebrate God's power in our lives. Okay, and one of the things we have set up in order to be able to do that is to make what we call journey stories. Okay, what has God done in your, in your faith and your journey? Right, how has God's power been released in your life? We saw an example of a journey story a couple weeks ago when Tamara and Desmond made their journey story right before they were baptized. Okay, you too can make a journey story. Okay, we have a team ready to be able to help you to do that. Again, as we um, see all of this and all of this power, right, will we partner with Jesus? Will we share our story? Will we move forward? Again, let's look at the conclusion of this story. Okay, verses 35 through 41. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. And he says, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I enter this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And again, as we see the conclusion of this story, realize right, that this man's life was just an illustration of what God wants to do for all of us, right? Is Physically, this man was blind and he could see, but that's not the lesson Jesus was teaching. Right? Jesus was teaching in this that the power of God is opens our minds and our hearts. Our spiritual blindness can go away if we let God into our life. We invite him into our life. Right? Again, we see then Jesus told them, right? I enter this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and show those who think they see that they are blind. Meaning if you do not have Jesus at work in your life, then you are blind. Okay, now notice again, this, this is not good news to these Pharisees. They didn't like what Jesus said. Right, but yet Jesus again came to fulfill this mission, right, to open our eyes to the power of God and how it's going to change our lives. Right, to spread the good news throughout all of the world. That was Jesus' mission. That's what he taught his disciples to do. And as a follower of Jesus, as one of his disciples today, we also are sent on a mission. Okay, as we started again with the words of Jesus, the first of his ministry, I want to conclude this series this morning with the last words of Jesus. Okay, what are the last words of Jesus? We see, first off, the last words of Matthew, chapter 28, 19 and 20, where it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This passage is known as the Great Commission, Okay, it is the job description of the church, right? This is our mission, right? Is to go into all the world and share the good news of Jesus, right? To go move forward in our faith so that others can move forward in their faith. Okay, um, the next gospel, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And then he told them, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay, if, if we see the same message, right? A little shorter. We see the end of Luke, the next gospel, Okay, and it was also written, and the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness for sins for all who repent. Again, the message will be declared. And then we go to the Gospel of John, to, to the end of John, 
right? Verses 20, verse, or chapter 20, verse 21. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Right? And then the, the, the very last words of Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, okay, and sits at the right hand of the Father, which is where he is now, okay, we see his final words before his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, through Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who needs to hear about Jesus? Everyone. What mission has God given us as followers of him? To grow in our faith, to receive that grace, forgiveness, and unleash his power in our lives, and then tell other people about it so it can happen in their lives, to the very ends of the earth. Again, Jesus spent all of his time with his disciples, fully equipping them to send them out. And he send them, sent them with a purpose, and he sends us with a purpose to go to preach and proclaim his message, right? and, and to, to tell our story about how his power has been unleashed in our lives and in our world. Again, how do we fulfill this this? mission, there's lots of ways that we go and fulfill this mission. Right? It starts off with you receiving it as, as for yourself, right? Having God's power unleashed in your life and being saved. And then again, it goes into, into everything else we do as a follower of Jesus, right? Is growing in our faith and sharing our stories and, and inviting people, right? It starts with even letting other people know that you are a believer of Jesus, right? How much he's changed your life. And then and it could be as simple as just inviting somebody to come to church with you on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, right? Inviting them to trunk or treat or to come to the worship night and hear a testimony. Right? We're coming up into the holiday season, which can be a really hard time for people, but it's also a great opportunity, again, for us to invite other people to come to the special events that we do, and especially through Christmas, right? And the story and the message of the gospel, through our Christmas season, our extra events and services we have, right? Will you bring people with you? Share your story. Invite people to meet Jesus. Okay, I want to conclude today and the series with this thoughts out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Here where it says, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Because you see, number one, we see we are God's masterpiece. God loves you more than you can imagine. He looks at you and says, I love you. You're my masterpiece. Okay, and he wants to create you anew in Christ. Right, which means that we respond to his love by saying, I will accept you as my savior and I'll be made new and unleash your power in my life. Right, and be made new in Jesus Christ. I will be saved. And then what's the next step of our faith? Then we do the things he planned for us to do. We fulfill the mission he's called us to do, right, which is to share with everybody the power, how he's changed ours and how he wants to change their life. That's the mission he sends us on. He says, do all these things that lead up and now go and to do this and declare for you are God's masterpiece. You've been created new in Christ Jesus. Now go and do everything I've sent you to do. Again, I don't know where your faith journey is today, but I hope that wherever you are, even in this cycle and process, that you would move to the next step, right? And that you would fulfill that. If you never see Christ your Savior, I hope that you would receive him today. Invite him in your life, confess your sins, and invite him 
to make you new. Right? If then, then dive deep into your faith and, and unleash, unleash his power in your, in your life and move forward in your journey. And as you do that, right, shine his light in this dark world. Because he's, he has sent us out, just like he sent the disciples. We have a job to do. And we need to fulfill it, be obedient and fulfill it. God, that's our prayer today. God, that we would run into your arms, God, and hear well done from you. God, help us, God, to, to hit all of these targets in our life as we continue to grow in our faith. And as we contestify, Lord, to your power. And Lord, I pray that as we go this week, as we, Lord, live in and take the challenge of your words, God, that we would be glorif- glorify you, God, through our life and through our faith. And God, as we go this week, as we are sent out, God, help us to fulfill the mission you've sent us on. And God, we thank you, God, that you go with us. God, that we are your masterpiece, that you've created us anew. And God, that we can just testify to your power. And we pray, God, that your power will be unleashed in our lives, in our hearts, and in this world. God, thank you for letting us be a part of what you're doing, that we can partner with you in it. And God, we pray that this week, God, that we will take it on next step of our faith. We love you. We praise you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.